0: This morning, we're continuing our Eastertide series, uh, where we're following in the footsteps of the apostles, reflecting on what it means to be witnesses of the good news of the empty tomb and the resurrection. Today, we, we have another story with Peter. And just after our reading last week, Peter stays in Joppa, and after staying there, he has a vision that brings him to dine to sit at table with a righteous Gentile named Cornelius, and his entire household. This visionary experience, paired with Cornelius' faith, leads Peter to baptize Cornelius and his entire household, leading to the welcoming of Gentiles into the church. It's a story so important that Luke decides to tell it twice in his Acts of the Apostles. In chapter 10, Luke describes Peter's actual vision and, and the event occurring, And our reading today is Peter retelling his experience to his fellow believers in Jerusalem. And what we find are some powerful insights for our our confirmants today as they begin a new phase in their faith journey, but also for our graduates as they prepare to go out into the world. But really, these are important aspects of faith for all of us who call ourselves Christians. Christians. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 11th chapter of Acts, beginning with the first verse. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners. And it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter. Peter. "'Kill and eat.' "'But I replied, "'By no means, Lord, "'for nothing profane or unclean "'has ever entered my mouth.' "'But a second time, "'the voice answered from heaven, "'What God has made clean, "'you must not call profane.' "'This happened three times. "'Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. "'At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea "'arrived at the house where we were. "'The Spirit told me to go with them,' and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, "'Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved.' And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning." And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced and they praised God. God saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. About ten years ago, a journalist named A.J. Jacobs wrote a book which chronicled his year of living biblically. Jacobs was raised in a not-so-religious Jewish home, as he recalls, And he endeavored to live by every law, rule, ordinance, or so on that he could find in the Bible. Old and New Testaments, from the best known to the most obscure. Many of these rules proved to be difficult, some nearly impossible to follow in today's world. In trying to live by the dietary laws of the Old Testament, what we know as kosher today, he reflected that forbidden foods are everywhere and are often hidden in things we wouldn't think. With pork, and understanding that all pork products being forbidden, he discovered that pork often lurks in things like salad dressings and gelatins, even in sweets when lard is used. He recalled an exchange in a diner with a waitress as he asked, Do you know if the pie crust here is made with lard? The waitress responds, I don't think so, but I'll check. Thanks, I can't eat lard. Oh, allergies? No, Leviticus. (laughs) Peter, in our story today, is confronted head-on by these very same Jewish dietary laws. These are laws his people have lived by for generations and generations and generations. But even stranger yet, he's confronted by these laws by God, or at least messengers from God. In his vision in Joppa, Peter describes seeing a sheet coming from the heavens, and on the sheet are all sorts of creatures deemed unclean by the Torah, therefore forbidden to eat. But the voice tells Peter to get up, to kill and eat. Peter pushes back, no way, I've never eaten any unclean thing in my life. The voice responds, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. The sequence happens three times. Hear that again. Peter challenges the heavenly voice three times. Talk about stubborn. But then, he sees three Gentile men from Caesarea, and they call for him to go meet with Cornelius. Gentiles, like the animals in Peter's vision, were considered unclean by Peter and and his Jewish brothers and sisters in the day. Gentiles didn't practice dietary laws and were not circumcised. Therefore, Jewish folks were not allowed to dine with them. But Peter, after his reluctance to the heavenly voice, seems to go quite willingly with these Gentiles to dine and have fellowship with them. Upon meeting Cornelius, he and Peter share their complimentary visions of God breaking into their lives and bringing them together. In all of their visions and Cornelius's faith, Peter is moved to baptize him and his entire household, and he rejoices that the gospel is spreading, that the Holy Spirit has also been given to the Gentiles. This is cause for celebration. Remember, our reading today is the second telling of the story by Luke. This time, he tells it to the perplexed council of Jewish believers in Jerusalem. They question Peter. How on earth could he dine with the unclean, with the uncircumcised? Then how could he baptize them? Peter shares his story with the council, illustrating how the Spirit has been given to the Gentiles. He answers all their concerns with the question, Who was I that I could hinder God? I love this question from Peter. See, Peter himself at the beginning of the story is hindering God. God presents this unclean food to Peter, and he denies it three whole times. And Peter is doing what so many of us ever since continue to do, hinder God. Whenever I'm asked to explain Reformed theology to somebody, Reformed theology is part of our Presbyterian tradition, I say that we as Reformed Christians believe that God is all-sovereign. Therefore, In other words, God is all-powerful, God is all-loving, all-knowing. Therefore, we can never limit God. We can never put God in a box. In other words, don't try to hinder God. But so often we do. We put God in a box of our own creation, of our own biases, our own preferences or tradition. We all do it. I know I do. Even when I know I shouldn't. Sometimes I do. We do this when we're so sure of who God does and does not love. Who is and who is not on God's side. Who is and who is not doing God's work of love, peace, and justice. Renowned Presbyterian pastor and preaching scholar Tom Long shared a story about a time he hindered God. It was a story I could really relate to. He described a time when he was getting a haircut and he told the stylist that he was a seminary professor. She shared that she, too, was a Christian and was a member of a very large uh, televangelist church that was uh, part of the Prosperity Gospel movement. If you're unfamiliar with the Prosperity Gospel, it's the folks, you often see them on TV, uh, promising you that God wants you to be rich, and all you have to do is pray a little harder and give a little more to their particular church, to receive that blessing. Now, this particular pastor uh, the lady was telling him about has been blessed with multiple private jets, Rolls Royces, mansions, all from the giving of his congregation, and has even been under investigation by Congress. Now, as I'm rolling my eyes hearing this, Long himself reflects, Great, I thought I was just going to get a bad haircut, now I've got to have bad theology too. Familiar with this church, Long asked if she had received her blessing yet, and he expected her to tell him all about her wealth and luxuries, but that wasn't the blessing she shared. Instead, the women shared that the blessing she receives is the two evenings a week where she volunteers at a shelter for battered women. She went on to explain that she was one herself, and she feels that the women there trust her. She was proud of her ministry, her calling. She was blessed. Upon hearing this, Long thought to himself, My Lord, Jesus is on the loose even in that guy's church. Can't you just hear Peter? Who was I to hinder God? Who was I to hinder God? Who was I to say where God can show up or who God can work through? Long goes from hindering God to seeing God at work in a surprising place, breaking through barriers, bringing light and hope. Returning to our lesson, Peter learns from his picnic experience with God in Joppa, and he tries to help his brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, who in their own way are hindering God. He explains his experience with Cornelius to them and shares how he witnessed God's spirit at work with these Gentiles. Peter witnesses to us that the God we know in Jesus Christ is too big, too powerful, and too loving to be limited to any one people or narrowed into any one tradition or ideology. Our God simply cannot and will not be hindered. So the question then becomes how do we make sense of the times when we witness God go beyond? When we witness God transcending and breaking through the barriers we've set. We actually see this modeled by Peter in the council in our story today. See, Peter has a mountaintop experience, a revelation from God making clean which was previously considered unclean. First foods and then the whole people of Gentiles. He meets Cornelius and is moved by his faith and seeing God's spirit at work within him and his household, and so he baptizes them, welcomes them into the fold of God. The Council of Believers in Jerusalem summons Peter to make sense of all this. After Peter shares his story, the council joins Peter in praising God for giving the spirit to the Gentiles. It's easy to read the story as Peter being on trial in front of the council, but instead what I see is the very first act of spiritual discernment by the early church. They've seen God at work in a new and dramatic and dynamic way that goes beyond their comprehension, so they get together to discern what it means and where they are to go from here. This scene in Acts leads to more stories of the gospel and God's spirit spreading to the Gentiles, of the church growing and spreading throughout the world. The church's work of discernment helps us see where God's spirit is leading us in new and dramatic ways today. The apostles in the early church in our reading teach us that this work of spiritual discernment isn't something we can do on our own. If we don't engage in the practice of communal discernment, getting together, reflecting where we've seen God at work, our image of God can start to look a whole lot like ourselves, holding our own preferences, our own biases, and so on, making it that much easier to hinder a God who cannot be hindered or bound. We need one another. We need the church to make sense of the ways God is at work in our midst calling us out of our comfort zone, breaking through our barriers and hindrances that we might be brought together and faithfully go out to love and serve others in the name of Jesus. So friends, as we walk in the footsteps of Peter and the apostles this morning, we're reminded to never hinder or limit what our all-loving, all-powerful God in Christ can do. On this side of the empty tomb, God's Spirit is on the loose, breaking down dividing lines, drawing us closer together, that we might discern how we might faithfully respond and follow our Lord who is always going on ahead of us. So may we seek, friends, may we seek to follow our risen Lord, and may this boundless love of God continue to surprise us. May it continue to bring us closer to him and one another in community. Amen.